E-A-B-L-E-S. Ebels. Remember that name because if you suffer from chronic joint and muscle pain like me, then Ebels Broad Spectrum CBD Oil is your answer to your prayers. The Ebels story began with the search for something natural to help manage chronic migraines. But Ebels helps more than just migraines. From managing chronic pain, anxiety, depression, and more, Ebels is truly a game changer in the natural alternatives to big pharma drugs. And yours truly, Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, can indeed vouch for the quality of Ebels. Having a herniated disc in my back, whew, coupled with years of sports injuries, I was struggling to find something, anything to help manage my pain. That is until Ebels. With the best quality product and customer service in the industry, Ebels Broad Spectrum CBD Oil and Ebels Freeze Gel easily stand above all the competition. And right now, Ebels is offering a special discount to all members of the Brian Nichols Show audience on all orders. All you have to do is head to Ebels.com and use promo code TB. NS, the Brian Nichols Show, right? TBNS at checkout. That's it. Discount applied. Again, the code is TBNS at checkout to start managing your pain today with the highest quality CBD on the market. One more time, that is code TBNS at checkout. And now, on to the show. Happy Friday, folks. That's new, right? Different. Yeah, it's because we're going to a galaxy far, far away. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Welcome, yes, to said galaxy far, far away on this wild planet on the outer rim we call Magical Planet Earth. Yes, I am your humble host, Brian Nichols, here on The Brian Nichols Show, and a different episode in store for you today. Now, obviously, if you heard yesterday's episode as if we were thankful for liberty with Joshua Smith, uh, you, you know that this is a political show, but today we're taking a little bit of a different approach to politics, and that is through the lens of Star Wars. Star Wars is easily one of the top uh, pop culture movies in not just America, but in the world, uh, and I'd say in history, right? Uh, because it, it transcends uh, you know different nationalities, different ethnicities, different barriers that usually would would you know keep people apart, but really allows people from all different means of thought to start to look really different, sometimes tough to discuss topics in a more objective way, because instead of talking about Republicans and Democrats or conservatives and liberals or libertarians and socialists, we're talking about Jedi, Sith, the, the Galactic Empire, the Resistance, the, the Rebels. We, we get to really remove ourselves from these conversations and instead focus on politics and, and really life in a different lens and hopefully in, in a more objective manner through the, the world. Of Star Wars. So Stephen Kent from Beltway Bantha is a phenomenal podcast, joins the show today. Make sure you stick around after the episode. You'll be able to hear a segment from one of his amazing episodes talking about America's Death Star with David French. So with that being said, on to the show, Stephen Kent here on The Brian Nichols Show. Very nice to be with you, Brian. Very nice to have you because, so we've been friends on, I guess, social media. So the, the interwebs for what? four years, five years now, somewhere there, ballpark, I guess. And it's where dreams are made and friendships are forged. And yet, and yet I was not a good friend because I don't know how the hell I did not realize that you've been doing a podcast for just about three years now, Beltway Banthas, an overtly political Star Wars podcast, which for longtime listeners of the Brian Nichols show, they might be surprised to learn that I am a huge, huge Star Wars fan, like, like diehard Star Wars fan. So to, to all of a sudden discover a brand new world, Stephen Kent, 
Beltway Banthas is, again, a, a politics Star Wars show. And it's fascinating because as we were talking before we started recording, you're pretty much the only politics show out there that covers Star Wars. So, man, how did you end up, uh, I guess, number one, getting into this um, politics Star Wars world and then in, uh, in, in your world, starting out your, your Beltway Banthas podcast? Yeah, so the the show has gone through a couple of different transformations in the close to four years that it has been running. So it was originally conceived between me and a friend of mine at church. Uh, we were just looking um, at some <laughs> some memes from the 2015 presidential debates, and there was this moment where Jeb Bush and Marco Rubio had gone gone at each other in a debate. Marco Rubio had hit Jeb or something. No, it was it was Marco Rubio had hit Jeb, and then Jeb hit back over Marco Rubio's attendance record in the Senate. And then the next day in the news, there were there were people sharing memes of like uh, Obi Wan and Anakin fighting because you know Master Apprentice those two have yeah. a, have a long interconnected career. And then and, and someone on MSNBC had said, oh, you know the 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 Apprentice has killed the Master or something like that. And we were like, haha, that's so funny. You know, it'd be so interesting if like we could talk about this more, like the ways in which Star Wars uh, there are parallels in the real world. And so we started it. We started Beltway Banthas, uh, and we just were looking at the 2016 election unfold uh, and just doing discussions about the politics of Star Wars, the Senate, how it works, um, you know, what the what the politics of Naboo are like, and then doing some reflections on the 2016 campaign. And then my co-host changed out. Eventually, I brought on a different friend, and in it kind of entered like a phase of Hannity and Combs. Uh, my friend was coming from the left, and was we would basically just like debate and discuss Star Wars from left-right perspectives and disagree on on the different narratives of the franchise, and then try to find middle ground. Now I'm doing it solo, uh, and it's it's a completely different kind of show. Um, kind of like uh, uh, the New York Times, the uh, the Daily, where I kind of do narrative um, explorations of Star Wars and then bring on guests to join me to talk about it. And it's been so much fun. I mean, I, I only got to candidly listen to the most recent episode you had with David Frank. Well, I guess it wasn't the most recent episode, but you sent it to me. It was right around the time that um, the election was happening. And that was actually kind of discussing one of the topics that I was discussing at that time on my show with uh, Professor Kevin Vallier. Yeah. And it was the idea of trust, right, and how we can build trust. And and you can see a lack of trust right now, especially in, in the way that not only do we approach uh, politics, but we kind of approach each other. And I think it does go, um, you know, when, we, when you look at Star Wars, right, and Star Wars is such a cool world to really bring our politics into it. And to kind of look at it in a, a microcosm from this imaginary world, because you can get rid of the the you know the Democrat and Republican name or the Libertarian name. Now you're talking about the Jedi and the mm-hmm. Sith, and and it kind of gets rid of the emotion, right? So now you can just talk about these ideas as they are yep. ideas. So when you're looking, I guess, at um, at Star Wars, and you obviously are coming more from the right, kind of give me your your overall overall Star Wars narrative. Where do you kind of see our political storyline? maybe mirroring what we saw in the Star Wars universe? Oh, that's such a big question. I'm not going to be able to give you a solid answer right <laughs> off the bat. But, you know, the, the the first thing that I think you could say is that Star Wars is being told objectively 
by a center left, you know, Democrat from the hippie days of the 1970s and 80s being George Lucas. God like he's him. a guy, he's a guy who is telling sort of a, a, a 20th century democratic tale or liberal tale about the galaxy. But the thing about art and the artist is that they're not always in alignment. And in many ways, sometimes artists create things that go beyond their intentions and they go beyond their original interpretations. Um, so there's a huge amount of jockeying going on in Star Wars fandom and, and people who discuss this franchise for 40 years about what these movies really mean and what they are saying. Uh, you know, the prequels are very on the nose in its criticisms of uh, neoliberal economics. I mean, you even have General Grievous's capital ship is called the Invisible Hand. Yep. And I, I had never really thought about it until just a year ago. I was like, uh, so the Invisible Hand comes crashing down from space into the capital city, and 24 hours later, uh, democracy is dissolved <laughs> and, and, and falls into despotism. You know, it's these things are not really that hard to interpret, but the thing about George Lucas's movies, and, and I, I kind of want to separate them a little bit from Disney's story, um, is that these are our movies that are against authoritarianism. They're against bullying. They are against living by your good intentions alone to form the way in which you're going to shape the world. And you can, you can look at star Wars, liberal politics all day, but the core message of star Wars is your good intentions are not enough and it can still turn you into Darth Vader. <laughs> That's right. And so if, if you, you can take both things and you go, look, George Lucas said this, but in actuality, like, the thing that he said over here about Anakin's soul kind of negates everything. If you take anything too far, uh, you can always fall to the dark side. Oh my God, that's so so spot on. And I guess I, I know it was it was a tough question, right? I, I to say what's the entire political lens of Star Wars and have you summarize in, in a thirty plus minute or so podcast. But I mean, when you do look, uh, we were discussing uh, beforehand. There was a uh, show on YouTube called Generation Tech, and he actually uh, did a, a ser or not a series, but it was um looking at the the philosophy of Star Wars, and he did one of the question was you know is Star Wars an overtly libertarian philosophy? Now to your point, right, George Lucas. Mm -hmm. He's not exactly a, a libertarian hero by any stretch, uh, but again, Star Wars does at the very least have some some narratives that are strongly in in line with uh, the the philosophy of, of libertarianism. You know, or we can go to classically liberal approaches to to governance, and and we mm -hmm. see that especially yep. in in the one scene in the prequels, right? I do love how you want to make sure you separate George Lucas's uh, movies from Disney's because I do think there's a very very noticeable drop off, not just in the quality, I'd say, but also in the storytelling, which. That's one of the main things I'd say about the original six movies is that the storytelling, the narratives were all so perfectly woven together. And obviously it's because it's George Lucas' yeah. mind. It's his baby, right? Um, but going back to the prequels and you hear that one line from, uh, from God bless her, uh, Padme Amidala. She goes, this is how democracy dies with thunderous applause. And, and I think that, that narrative is becoming more and more, I guess more and more mainstream. We're seeing it not be so, um, I don't know, so taboo to discuss the, the ideas of democracy because it shows how quickly the idea of a, a true democracy for good can become the democracy for bad, right? I mean, people forget mm -hmm. the empire was voted on. It was a democratically decided 
vote. They said, yes, we're going to give the Chancellor these emergency powers. And with that, Chancellor Palpatine, he turned it into the first galactic empire. And and that right there speaks to, okay, that's great that the intentions that you had were, were so pure, right? We were giving the Chancellor these emergency powers to be able to protect the galaxy at a time of, oh my gosh, a time of absolute peril where the world is ending. Like, what? A 2019 global pandemic that goes into 2020? I mean, COVID-19... And it's funny, right? How how we're seeing just these little narratives, even our own lives. We're seeing right now people, they're quickly abdicating a lot of, I'd say, their their autonomy to these, these you know, in some cases, governors or bureaucrats. Right. And the, the you name the three-letter organization. And yet, we see them still applauding you know so enthusiastically so what is it is there something is there something in innate in all of us that we want this we want we had this desire almost to be protected even though it goes against our better interests does that make sense Oh, I think you know the answer to that question. I mean, human nature, the, the reason that we entered this thing called society and agree to this thing called government, if you've read your libertarian or classical liberal philosophy, is to be delivered from the state of nature in a place where we can be harmed. And we have this contract, this idea that we're going to give up a couple of things in exchange for not being eaten by wolves in the middle of the night. Some may call that and- a social contract. <laughs> And, and that's the trade-off that we have all made to live in a society. So yes, we do want to be safe. And that is the thing that we have government for, uh, to protect us from raiders and from the Iranians, I don't know, just coming out of nowhere and <laughs> dropping bombs on us for fun. Like this is, this is why we're here. But I, I think that with Star Wars, like the thing that you get with its defense of democracy or its ideas about how you lose democracy are really interesting because the Republic is a really ugly democracy. It's this thing that is not functional. It's it's been running for exactly a thousand years. I actually found out the other day, like when when Palpatine said he he will not let this Republic that has stood for a thousand years, you know, fall to this separatist crisis. Right. He actually was being literal. It was a thousand years on the dot, um, and that was when it fell apart. Um, and and you basically have this Republic that is fallen away to corporatism. It has fallen away to bureaucracy and it's not working for anybody. And Anakin is, is frustrated by that. He's, he has that moment in episode two where he's hanging out with Padme in the field, getting his flirtation on. It's not and, fair. Yeah. And, yep. and he you know, goes, I, uh, people should get together and they should, uh, they should discuss the issues and decide what's in the best interest of all the people. And then they should take action. And she goes, well, that's what we do. This is, this is already what happens at the, problem is that everyone doesn't agree well he says then they should be made to and That's frankly line, yep. yeah frankly this is this is the sentiment of george lucas like this is the sentiment of the average person watching politics happen who believes that you should just be able to get into a room and make things happen and agree but there is no such thing as the common good and anakin wishes that there was and george lucas has said over and over and over again that democracies um, are not taken, they are given away. And he has discussed how he himself like feels the need and the the inherent good in the idea of the benevolent despot. He gave this interview leading up to the Phantom Menace where he had endorsed the idea of the benevolent dictatorship. <laughs> and that that points to Anakin. Like he wrote himself into that character because that's honestly like that's all of us. We all kind of wish wish you had some benevolent leader but you don't like we could elect matt kibbe the president tomorrow and and then matt kibbe would eventually go too far 
that's just that's just what always happens. That's what humans do. We we love you, Matt. But you know that that's that's the point, right? Yeah. Well, and, and I guess that would um that would then lead to another very interesting little tidbit in Star Wars, right? And that is also the conflict, not just between the the different forms of governance and and the bureaucracies that also are there with it. But then you add in this whole other religious element, right? Now you have the Jedi and the Sith. And I almost see that kind of being like the, um, <laughs> it's a gross analogy, but like almost like our, our liberal versus, um, you know, conservative or progressive versus, um, you know, libertarian or statist versus anarchist mentality. Holy war. <laughs> it is. It really is because I think we're seeing people, they're starting to almost abdicate this, um, this, or not abdicate, but really replace this, this sense of uh, true religion with their political selves. And you see yeah. that when we go to the ballot box, it's no longer you're voting for a particular candidate. You're in some cases voting to protect yourself. You're voting to protect your identity. And you want to make that, that comparison to the Jedi. The Jedi were getting to the point where they, they were so, paranoid of making sure that they were protecting the jedi order that they became blind to the very you know the very thing they're looking to you know counter against and that is the rise of the sith coming back with in episode one the phantom menace you have could i actually could I actually like push into this point please a little yes bit. Please, like, please please because why is it and this is something that i'm writing um i'm working on this chapter right now in in my book um, it's called How the Force Can Fix the World. It's going to be coming out next uh, next year from Hachette and Center Street Publishing. Oh, nice. And I'm working on this chapter right now about the balance of the Force, the Jedi and the Sith. Why is it, Brian, that the Jedi thought restoring balance to the Force through, through a chosen one meant the annihilation of the Sith, the yes. final destruction of their enemies? Isn't it bizarre? Does that, does that make sense to you? It's bizarre because we see that even... Hmm. In today, you have to either own the libs, right, or or you have to go against, um, you know, you have to go against the, the fascists, right? We, you know, that's why we have Antifa. It's because it's no longer, I think, a sense of trying to actually uh, create a balance, but rather to create dominance, right? Because the other sides, they, and I think a lot of this comes from, and Steve, I'd love to hear your perspective on this, is mm -hmm. we no longer talk to each other. Um, you know, I was actually listening to Dave Smith on part of the problem this morning, and he was, um, he was going through, there was, um, Hassan Piker. He had a, uh, a overview of, of Dave, um, when Dave was on Joe Rogan. And there's one part that Dave said that was actually very, very interesting. And I, and I, I had to, you know, rewind it to listen to it. He said, you know, there's one, uh, component and i say a lot of libertarians conservatives we, we've done this mental gymnastic game where we've really tried to steel man the arguments of our philosophical opponents and if you were to ask you know i say from some of our friends on the left to say what is it that i believe they have no idea no idea whatsoever and i'd say that's almost due entirely to the fact that we have so isolated ourselves into our little silos and one look no further than the real, I mean, physical silo that the Jedi put, the Jedi temple, it was their, mm -hmm. their bubble. And, and you, you, you watched the Jedi go out into, into public and there was this like, oh, the Jedi, like there was this mystique around them. But a lot of that I think was due to the mysteriousness because people didn't really know who they yeah. were. And that's why it was so easy for Palpatine when they uh, executed Order 66 to, to make the Jedi look like the bad guys. These religious zealots tried to overthrow the government. And he and he spent years laying the groundwork for that. The whole plot was to not 
uh, just alienate them, but to turn public opinion against them. If you watch the Clone Wars animated series, there are numerous scenes throughout this animated series featuring protests outside the Jedi Temple where people believe them to be warmongers and people believe the Jedi to be the ones instigating this war with the separatists a lot of people living on coruscant for example just want the people uh, the separatists to secede and go away like they don't want a war to keep them in the republic that's not what they want but they think the jedi are forcing it um and earlier on in our conversation we were talking about uh that that youtube video where, where someone was like is star wars a, a libertarian tale and that goes exactly to what you're saying which is we all view ourselves as as good guys like we all view ourselves as having good and 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 kind ideas um but if you ask like a liberal or a progressive really is the word i prefer to use a progressive like what is it libertarians believe they go oh well they want people to die in the streets and they want to kill people um that's that's just not reality but going back to like the sith and the jedi there's this this prophecy where they want to eliminate the sith who are the the their exact opposites. You have like the, the the yin and the yang, right? They they're supposed to go together. They're supposed to be balances of each other, light and dark, powerful light, powerful dark, like Luke says in uh, in the Last Jedi, and they they balance each other. So it never really made sense that the Jedi thought that getting rid of the Sith was the ultimate goal of balance. And then in the end, it turns out that the Force had a different plan. And it was that the Jedi had become too powerful. The Jedi had created an imbalance in the universe where they were using the force and tying it into their support of the Galactic Republic. And it had gotten out of hand as far as the cosmic forces saw it. Palpatine was a balancing force. There ended up by the end of episode three, and there were some survivors, uh, some straggling Jedi, but two primary uh, Jedi and two primary Sith, Yoda and Obi-Wan, Darth Vader and Palpatine balance. Um, it's it's amazing how like the ledger is sort of balanced just in the course of one movie. And the Force had different plans than the Jedi did. It's important to remember that you're not always the good guy, even if you think you are. Uh, and also that you have to create space for your opponents to exist. You said it perfectly. Domination. Domination is not the goal of the American Republic. Coexistence is. E pluribus unum from one many, right? And I, I mean, there is. <sighs> I think there's a problem in the way some people look at that nowadays, right? It's no longer trying to look at the individual differences and to say, hey, you bring value with those differences. It's to say, well, your differences aren't the same as mine. Therefore, we need to get rid of those differences or ignore those differences, sh shame those differences. And, and I think, you know, there's actually you know, going back to some shows I was listening to actually it was Shapiro today um, and we're recording here on the 18th. Um, he was mentioning how there was... Um, there is a mentality, I would say, of this this domination on the left that is prevalent in, I would say, the mainstream culture. And part of it, I think, is it is being manifested in the way you see the, the left, especially the more, I would say, rabid left base of the, of the progressive movement, that they are taking over the narrative, right? And to see how quickly that that mentality can take over uh, a narrative, right? And we see that with the Jedi, I would say, too. This mentality of, you know, once the Sith were gone after the initial, um, you know, this Jedi and, and Sith wars back before the, the formation, back yeah. in the older public days, right? That the Jedi, then they were pretty much the rulers. And that opened up that inevitable, you know, chasm, that that vacuum almost for that alternative to come in. And and we see that alternative manifest, you know, I'd say what we're seeing right now in the Trump movement, right? That's kind of the, the manifestation on the right of 
this vacuum that was opened up. So let's kind of flip it, Stephen, to the other side. So you, and I'm not comparing, obviously, the Sith to, the, to Trump's. I can instantly hear some folks are going to go wild and crazy for that. But like, if we're going to look at the, yeah. the way that the, the pendulum does swing, what if we were to look at like Star Wars, right, and make that comparison, where do you think that that initial vacuum, if you will, opened up in our politics as it did for the Sith, you know, when eventually they did come back and ultimately take out the Jedi to make that uh, inevitable balance again. Yeah, I'm not sure if I can make the the perfect analogy, but where my mind was going as you asked that was to the flashpoint of the um, uh, uh, filling of uh, initial seats on the Supreme Court. And it started with Mm. Gorsuch, uh, and then it really, really, really inflamed uh, in the Kavanaugh hearings, like the Supreme Court has been the place where our politics have gotten the most radical uh, and the most dangerous and possibly anti-democratic, where instead of viewing the Supreme Court as a place where the law is understood and defended and, and read as it is, um, it has become hyper-politicized. And it has gotten hyper-politicized to the point that a completely good and, and normal guy like Brett Kavanaugh like runs into a complete smear campaign against his entire uh, life and reputation um, just so that Democrats don't possibly lose their majority on the court. And Republicans, I, like we have to be honest here, debased themselves uh, with not filling the Merrick Garland nomination or at least having a hearing on it. I want to be like crystal clear on it here. Not having a hearing on Merrick Garland was a mistake if you want to actually have a democratic republic where we have a system and we have a way of doing things. We call it our democratic norms, right? right? When they did that and said, well, we're not going to hold a hearing in an election year. We need to let the people decide uh, who's going to be president and then we'll do a hearing. Surely we all knew that this was going to eventually come back to haunt them and make them look out, uh, look to be hypocrites. And, and here we are in 2020, uh, Amy, Amy Coney Barrett, they, they, they filled the seat and they pretended like they never, never said that about Merrick Garland or acted like it was different. And that's not good. And, and that's not good for the reason that you basically are signaling, we're not playing by a set of rules or understandings anymore. This is war. And yes, po- politics is war, but there's only so long that you can stay in that state of complete uh, armament that that things can remain healthy. Eventually, it will do, it will fall uh, into into disorder and chaos. It's just a matter of time. Um, so I think that that's kind of where like the sea change happened in our politics and the SCOTUS wars are the the place where we are losing the most balance in our politics. Um, I don't know what we're going to do to be able to de-escalate, but David French on my most recent episode of Beltway Banthas, where we were talking about balancing the force, we talked about federalism and we talked about making space for everybody to live in states where they can live out the vision of progressivism or live out the, the vision of libertarianism or conservatism in the way that the majority of their people see fit. I think that might be our only way forward. So what can we look at when we look at Star Wars and kind of predict the future, right? Because we've been able to kind of go back, and this is the Nostradamus effect, right? We can say, like, look at all the things that Star Wars predicted, and and it's obviously easy to, to go back because it's happened right. now. So I'm going to ask you, Stephen, I need you to put your Nostradamus hat on. 
do we get a Death Star? Does the United States have a Death Star? I mean, we do have a nuke, I guess, or several thousand nukes that we could use as our Death Star. But I mean, is, is there something in Star Wars that we need to be concerned about that we could make, maybe take for, you know, as a lesson to learn in advance versus unfortunately as we've been learning as it happens in a reaction? There's this thing in the, um, you see it in the original Star Wars movie and you don't have a name for it until recently and kind of like the books have filled in the, the gaps. But Tarkin, uh, Grand Moff Tarkin mm-hmm. and the Death Star Project was all part of this idea called the Tarkin Doctrine, where you are going to unite the galaxy through fear uh, of force from a uh, an empire, right? So you are going to keep all the star systems in line uh, by making sure that they were afraid to ever reenact a separatist crisis. Like the separ- the separatist crisis is what gave you the empire. And so Tarkin had this idea that we're going to use the Death Star uh, to make people cower in fear against us, and they're going to submit to our rule and then the, the new uh, legitimacy of this regime. Um, my question to you uh, and everyone listening is, did that happen? Did the Death Star scare the galaxy into submission? No, it didn't. It united the rebellion. The rebellion was like this fractious group of of just sort of uh, of, of radicals who wanted to to walk back the empire, return to the days of the republic. But they all hated each other, and they also didn't have very much common cause. You had this huge rift between the militants like Saw Gerrera and the more moderates, the Hillary Clintons, if you will. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I can't believe I'm calling Hillary Clinton a moderate, but we need to be honest. She she kind of was. Um, like Mon Mothma. And it united all of those factions and was like, oh, well, if we actually don't get serious about fighting the empire, we will all die. And we do have a thing in our politics that is a death star. And it, it, and it is, and all your audience knows this, it's the centralized power of Washington, D.C. To, to crack down and destroy the livelihoods of everyday Americans. I mean, any president can come in at any time. Joe Biden's about to get started in, in January. Um, and he can change the tax rates, immediately put in executive orders through the EPA to completely change environmental regulations and destroy the livelihoods of businesses around the country. He can immediately deploy uh, armies around the world for whatever war the Democrats decide that they find to be moral at any given time uh, and and ruin the lives of families abroad and American families. The, the power of the presidency in Washington, D.C., is out of control. And it is an existential threat to everybody's lives in America to have lives of meaning and purpose that that means something to them in their community. So yeah, like our, our small government minds here listening on this show, like we all understand that. Um, but the problem is that we're not living it. We all just want control of the Death Star. Oh. We all want control of the Death Star to, to aim it at our opponents. And we got to blow it up. Like that's what has to happen. And the only way that that can happen is a return to, like we said earlier, a truly federalist system. And that is not a system where the Bill of Rights is negotiable in Georgia and South Carolina and the Jim Crow South. Uh, that is a that is a country where we all understand and respect the Bill of Rights and honor, you know, California's right to have crazy <laughs> open, uh, you know, uh, um, sanctuary city laws. And we also respect the idea that Arizona can can be pretty stern on immigration themselves, stuff like that. 
well, that means we have to have a Jedi moment, right? So for for our nerdy Star Wars friends, that's when they they tested the Death Star on Jeddah. And it I think maybe the lockdowns maybe were the test on Jeddah that are waking some people up to saying, hold on. Maybe we need to like start to scale some things back, and especially some of the states that I would say are more. Maybe you think maybe, maybe? I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe I don't know. Like the, I, I, Governor Cuomo has certainly like lost a lot of his legitimacy with <laughs> with New Yorkers, but the federal government didn't do like that much of a hard crackdown. I think during during the COVID lockdowns, like That's true. Donald Trump was pretty hands off, and honestly, I think that was good. Wouldn't well, you say? Oh, no, absolutely good. And I guess maybe is more from the trust of the government. So I'm thinking more of, and I, I've actually used this um, when I'm tar- talking about my progressive friends, is, you know, do you want a, a system where Donald Trump and his FDA are deciding how our American health response is going to be to the COVID-19 crisis, the COVID-20, or as that yeah. new movie, uh, Songbird, the COVID-23, um, which looks horrifying, <laughs> by the way. If you haven't seen that trailer yet, my God, they're like nightmare fuel. But like that is something I think they were you know suddenly empathetic to. They're like, mm, I don't know, actually, I don't know if I want to have, you know, Trump's, you know, FDA and Trump's CDC no. telling us, you know, that masks don't. Don't work. Do work. Do work. It's um, been a wake up moment for for the left. I, I absolutely. But the problem is is short term memory loss. Like like they they went through this with George Bush, that's and, so and true. then here and here we are again. Like George Lucas. Like again, the prequels were a a statement against many of the things that you saw happen in the George Bush years. The Patriot Act, the War on Terror, this entire idea that like you get a despot based off a phony war. Uh, that's a trading freedom for security. Like we've yeah. been here before, but but the left forgets. <laughs> yeah, it's sad. We need... The left forgets. Well, I'm hoping that the good stories, right, that we we see, like Star Wars, and you know what's funny, and this is like I, I noticed this as my wife and I have been rewatching movie series. Uh, we rewatched Harry Potter, and uh, me too. We, we okay, so we were watching Order of the Phoenix, right? And I was like, Order of the Phoenix is an overtly pro school choice movie. You have you have government you have government yeah. um, Dolores Umbridge come in as yeah. the overseer of the, the private school telling them what they can and cannot teach their kids uh, and and I was like this this is mm-hmm. oh my god this is horrifying but like at the same point in time it's it's a perfect it's a perfect like representation of our ideas and I, I think we need and I'd say as libertarians conservatarians conservatives Republicans whatever you want to be I don't care if you're pro liberty you're my friend um like we need to be better so- storytellers and we need to be able to uh, not just convey our our messaging in stories but also to to kind of show value right we have to be able to sell liberty and sell these ideas to people in ways that are easy for them to take away and understand. I mean, and we brought him up earlier, right? He's not going to be um, a Sith, but Matt Kibbe, he's doing amazing work at Free the People because he's helping tell stories. Look what he did with Thomas Massey. You know, this is, I'll end with this, right? Perfect example. Yeah. I, I shared the Thomas Massey um, off the grid documentary with like five of my lefty friends, and they had no idea that Thomas Massey was a Republican. And it was amazing because they were like, oh yeah, he's like fighting climate change. Look what he did, you know, living sustainable life. And I'm like, yeah, and he's a GOP libertarian Republican. And how about that? And they're like, what? Mm-hmm. And that's what we have to do. We have to tell stories and show, well, listen, just because I have an R next to my name or an L or a D, I'm still a person. I still have things that make me unique. And actually, I think yeah. we're going to find a lot of the things that we think we disagree on, we actually agree on. And in this case, we can use things like Star Wars to help tell those stories. So I encourage my audience to head over to Beltway 
Banthas. Stephen Kent, last word here. If folks want to get to learn more about Beltway Banthas and obviously all the great work that you're doing over there, I mean, we could go on for hours. I, I really want to, and I'm sure we're going to have you on a couple more times just to talk about this in general, because Star Wars is one of my favorite topics. But where can folks go ahead, obviously, and they're smart, follow Beltway Banthas, but what can they expect when they go over to, uh, to Beltway Banthas? Yeah, well, we're going to be doing uh, regular monthly episodes and explorations of the themes of Star Wars that could make the world a better place if we actually applied the the virtues of Star Wars to our lives. Um, How the Force Can Fix the World is my upcoming book with Hachette Publishing. It's going to be out in 2021, and the podcast for the next year is going to be doing sort of a chapter-by-chapter exploration of the themes of humility that matter in Star Wars, the themes of empathy of leadership, of courage, these things that everybody believes in. But if you strip politics and partisan labels out of it, we're able to actually agree and understand. Um, I'm doing this chapter right now on, on balance. And just so much of what we've talked about, like Jedi, Sith, light side, dark side, it's framing things in camps and in partisan ways that we that we lose sight of who one another are and the value in each other's ideas. Uh, and Beltway Banthas is where we actually talk about this every episode in an open way. We get nerdy, we get political, and we all walk away happy at the end of the day uh, and having a good time. So you can subscribe at Beltway Banthas and follow me at Stephen underscore Kent 89 to learn more about that. And you know what? How about this? Because I am a huge dude. Like the, the production value you you put into this show is, I mean, I cannot, I cannot praise you enough. A, A plus, 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 I'm going to include uh, the the uh, little segment there from uh, that David French episode because it was absolutely fantastic. So, folks, fast forward. Oh, don't fast forward. Listen to the <laughs> listen to my outro. Uh, but then, uh, as you get to the end, after uh, we say goodbye, make sure you stick around for a couple minutes. That we're going to go ahead and uh, play a little excerpt for from Stephen's amazing, amazing podcast, Beltway Banthas. Stephen Kent, thank you so much for joining the Brian Nichols Show. Brian, it was great, man. The force be with you. A quick read from our new sponsor, and that is the Expat. Money Show. Now, if you are a longtime listener or even a relatively new listener here on The Brian Nichols Show, then you remember our good friend Mikkel Thorup from The Expat Money Show. What an episode. To learn that just because you were born in one country doesn't mean that you have to pay your taxes there forever to do your banking there or to have your investments there, raise your family there, or even have your companies register there, learn there, get your kids educated there or even live your life there. How about that? You can go ahead and live your life wherever it is you see fit, because the Expat Money Show, which is hosted by our friend Mikkel Thorup, originally started as a podcast, but has grown to a worldwide community of entrepreneurs who are living international location, independent lifestyles. Mikkel is focused on helping you live an international life by looking at problems through the lens of global solutions. In this day and age, there is no reason you should let borders get in the way of having the best the world has to offer. So, Brian Nichols Show audience, head over to the Expat Money Show today. Give Mikkel a subscribe, a fantastic show, and tell him that Brian Nichols sent you. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Stephen Kent as we, yes, are returning from hyperspace out of the uh, the Carillion system. Yes, it was a great conversation with Stephen Kent about Star Wars and about, yes, how it does pertain to our, our world here on planet Earth. Uh, a great conversation, so do me a favor, please, if you, uh, if you have not yet 
uh, checked out Beltway Banthas, make sure you go ahead, check it out. And also, again, stay a little bit after the uh, the outro here. Um, we have a nice little segment from that awesome conversation that uh, Stephen has with David French about America's Death Star. Uh, so again, Beltway Banthas, I'll include the link to uh, Beltway Banthas in the show notes. So please go ahead, support Stephen, give me a follow uh, over on social media, and also go ahead and give his amazing podcast a subscribe. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a subscribe over on the Brian Nichols Show Apple Podcast. Give us a five-star rating and review if you'd be so kind. And while you're there, also go ahead, take a screenshot of said five-star rating and review. Email me, brian at Show.com because then you'll be entered into our amazing Ebills giveaway for some awesome freeze gel, topical freeze gel, mind you. It is fantastic. I, I say I say topical to make sure you know you can't do what Trump did with the... Uh, the, the the UV rays you can't you can't eat the Lysol um so no you you cannot eat the the topical freeze gel it'd be like eating biofreeze with CBD not not a good combination but it is a great combination if you're looking to uh, alleviate or at the very least manage some of the pain that I know all of us the aches and pains we have through natural life and just old injuries and stuff as they they pop up Ebol's topical freeze gel is absolutely the best way to uh, to go so make sure you go ahead send that five star rating review you could be entered into that uh, Ebol's topical freeze gel giveaway and also if you have not had the chance yet go ahead and just check out Ebol's in general fantastic company fantastic product makes awesome uh, stocking stuffers uh, by the way so use code TBNS at checkout and you'll uh, get a nice little discount applied as well at uh, at checkout so guys with that being said if you have not had the chance yet uh follow us on social media at b nichols liberty twitter facebook minds.com and yes parlor.com we're doing more work at parlor um because obviously it's it's apparent <laughs> uh twitter and, and facebook are not going to be uh, really friends for alternative means of thinking uh going into the future so if you're looking to support uh independent media like here at the brian nichols show or we are libertarians network uh make sure you go ahead and support us over on independent social media so in this case parlor minds.com follow me at b Nichols Liberty. All right, heading into next week, folks, we have, of course, three phenomenal episodes airing on Monday. It is my conversation. We're going to be talking about sales. That's right. It's actually going to be my appearance over on Taxation is Theft. That is hosted by Dan Taxation is Theft Berman. And how we make the sale to folks who are outside of our libertarian spheres of influence, they want to hear a different message, or maybe they don't want to hear a different message, how we go ahead, approach sales from a solutions-based perspective. So I'll be airing that uh, episode, a fantastic conversation with Dan on Monday. On Wednesday, we're going to be talking about psychedelics, strap in Gorov Dube. He is joining me. He is from microdose.buzz. He is the content director and he is going to be helping break down uh, some of the uh, the myths that are out there and dispel some of the misconceptions of the uh, the stigma presented when we're discussing uh, various psychedelics. And actually, we're going to be discussing how psychedelics have been used to actually help with uh, repairing brain damage due to uh, PTSD uh, and other various uh, you know mental health issues as well so it's gonna be a, it's a fantastic conversation and truly uh, very enlightening for someone like me I've never uh, even really dug into that uh, kind of world so I know for a lot of you folks out there who are like teach me uh, what it means to to discuss psychedelics this is gonna be a great uh, intro episode there and then on Friday yes we are having our conversation uh, with the only one and only Cliff Maloney he is returning to the show yes from Young Americans for Liberty he uh, has been doing great work over at y'all and uh, discussing some of the wins that Young Americans for Liberty had as they uh, they went forward here in the 2020 election and looking ahead to 2022 and beyond so guys three fantastic episodes to look forward to as we head into next week so make sure you hit that subscribe button if you have not yet already but with that being said stick around after the episode hear that fantastic segment from beltway banthas but with that being said it's brian nichols signing off you're on the brian nichols show for steve and ken we'll see you next week
Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Star Wars sort of has a thing with Civil War. It's the main feature of not one, not two, but kind of three sets of Star Wars trilogies, totaling nine movies where the backdrop is civil discord. Now, recent films, episodes seven to nine, they're a little different in nature given the roots of the First Order, but we know their political foundations originate within the New Republic's centrist party who really longed for the old days of empire, you know, without all the awfulness of it. Clearly, their make the galaxy great again vision worked out really well. R.I.P. Hosnian Prime. Now, episodes four through six, the original trilogy, are really about a civil war in the purest sense. You have one united society known as the Galactic Empire, formerly the Republic, made up of thousands of different worlds, and it breaks out into really disorganized conflict. The Rebel Alliance, made up of a host of formerly powerful and well-connected Republic dignitaries and intellectuals, led a massive grassroots movement and insurrectionist campaign against the Empire. The Rebel Alliance, or Alliance to Restore the Republic, or the Rebellion, whatever you want to call it, was a banner organization for a collective of dissidents aiming to tear down the empire and reinstall democratic government. It would pit brother against brother, fathers against their daughters, mothers against sons, and lover against lover. Star Wars has given us a lot of house-divided stories between their books and films. Now, based on your politics, your preferences for order, your biases, or your financial incentives, participation in the Galactic Civil War was presented in the Star Wars films as obvious. It wasn't. You could go about your life and mind your own business like Jen Erso said about seeing Imperial flags fly. You can stand to see the Imperial flag rain across the galaxy. It's not a problem if you don't look up. Well, maybe. Luke Skywalker's hometown buddy Biggs Darklighter believed that the Empire was going to be coming for everything, I think rightfully so. Every piece of private property, every liberty, industry, and item of value would be absorbed eventually for the greater glory of the Empire. Then you had the Death Star, the rallying point for all fence-sitters. The Death Star project changed the stakes to a life-or-death engagement for everybody. It made the threats to life and liberty plain as day. Any attack made by the rebels against this station would be a useless gesture, no matter what technical data they've obtained. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. I want to talk to you today about our American Death Star problem. There's a great new book out right now by David French, formerly of the National Review and now a senior editor at The Dispatch. French served in the armed forces in Iraq and is also one of the most prolific First Amendment lawyers in the country. He has sued a ton of institutions in the U.S. for abridgments of freedom of speech, religion, association, you name it. And his new book is titled Divided We Fall, America's Secession Threat and How to Restore Our Nation. It's about the urgency that he feels for American politics to have its temperature come down a little bit to de-escalate our national conflicts. He feels that polarization, media echo chambers, and increasing physical clustering of like-minded peoples nationwide, that means living by people who are similar to you and see the world the same way that you do. He feels like this clustering of like-minded people nationwide has put us on a path toward ruin. And I happen to agree with him. In some ways, it is the logical conclusion of the intense left-right divide. 
That is, if it is allowed to continue to intensify. French does not predict civil war, but warns of the very real possibility of New Age secessionist movements led by clusters of states who want to go their own way. Because states and localities increasingly don't feel free to chart their own destinies and build communities that align with the majority of their people's values— That is true for majorities of Texans and Arizonans. That's true for majorities of Californians and New Yorkers. Federal power and the pursuit by Republicans and Democrats of the ability to dominate their opponents is making our differences more frighteningly clear. And the danger we feel from our ideological opposites is more pressing all the time. Every year it gets higher and higher. We lack balance. Sort of, I think. Like how the Jedi in the prequel trilogy, they spoke of a prophecy of a chosen one that would bring balance to the Force and destroy the Sith. He's too old. He is the chosen one. You must see it. Hmm. Clouded, this boy's future is. I've been wondering lately how the Jedi, (laughs) in their infinite wisdom, in their hundreds to thousands of members, right, came to view the annihilation of their dark side counterparts as, quote, balance. 